and I had all of these dreams, big dreams, but my reality was like so limited, you know? And so I basically sold everything and started traveling too. And I think many of us as human beings, we know what we need to do, you know? And, and I remember looking at my mother and say, saying, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful for cancer. The lies that we tell ourselves are part of what blocks our ability to surrender. I think what we have to ask ourselves is, is who you are, who you really are. Is what you believe, what you really believe, or just what you've been taught to believe. So I tell people that pain is a gift. Pain is your friend. Pain is feedback telling you where you're not aligned, you know? Mm. And so mm. the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we are not free. And I went into the bathroom, literally, true story. And I, I said, okay, I'll be back. I cried for about 10 minutes because I felt like such a failure. What life can manifest through you is more than whatever you can manifest on your own. What your soul guides you to do won't always make sense to your mind. True greatness requires a level of surrender in a profound way. We're all gonna die. And one of the things I do is I really endeavor to live life embracing death each moment. Our guest today is author of two best-selling books, You Are The One and The Magic of Surrender. He's a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He speaks at countless events he organizes around the world as well as at outside events including AFAST, YPO, Young President's Organization and EO, Entrepreneur's Organization. Qt is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. He is also the winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award. Blackson is widely considered a next-generation leader in the field of personal development. He was also featured on Larry King's show as well as Tom Bilyeu's Impact Theory. His mission is simple to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically and fulfill their true life's purpose. Qt is now on a tour to promote um, his most recent book, The Magic of Surrender, and I kid you not, we spoke about a lot of things from his uh, childhood to one of the most um, significant experiences in Qt's uh, life, how he basically helps people transform and connect to their true essence. We also touch upon the metrics and uh, the self-constructed self-identity that each of us has and much more. We also dive into a lot of actionable uh, things that you can apply, how to uh, basically identify the lies you're telling yourself and much, much more. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Cute Blackson. You are listening to The Grateful Show with your hosts, Pascu and Bogdan. Join us on our mission to spread awareness around mental health and make people feel happier and overall more grateful. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest, stories, and a message that will help you become your best self and pursue your life mission. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to The Grateful Show. Hope you're all doing amazing. And if you're not, you're about to be, because today we have no one other than Kurt Blackson. How is it going, brother? Good. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So just to break the ice, what are you grateful for today? 
I'm grateful for life. I'm, you know, every day I'm just grateful to be alive and the opportunity to, to live a, another moment, you know? That's really it. Breath, life, the opportunity to, to experience, you know? Experience life, really. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Kid, before uh, uh, going any further, can you give our audience like a brief introduction into how you came to be where you are now, please? Yeah, really, you know, what I what I do is I help people transform and connect to their truth, connect to the true essence. So I don't coach people, I uncoach people, I uncondition people from the patterns and the layers that we've built up from childhood and conditioning and parents and society and media. And so in so many ways, we're so conditioned. So you, you could call me an uncoach, you know, and that's why simply I just say I'm a transformational teacher in terms of helping people transform. For me... Um, my first memory, you know, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London and I live in LA and Mexico part-time. So citizen of the world. Um, <laughs> and I'm a soul, you know, and, and, and soul on a journey. And, and for me, from a very young age, uh, two things. I always felt a deep empathy for people's suffering. And there was always a desire to alleviate people's suffering in some way. And as a kid, I didn't know what that would look like. And so I would just feel people and cry. And I, how can I, you know, what, what do I do? And so that was really impactful because that also set me on a quest of trying to understand the human condition. Like, why are we here? And why is there so much suffering? And what's the nature of life? And what's the purpose of all of this? And why do we do what we do? And why are people hurting each other? And how? And why are we not more happy? How can we be more happy? So that set me on a quest. But also another thing that impacted my life was, um, was my father. You know, I was a kid. Uh, and I remember this memory where I was lost in the crowd in Ghana, West Africa. And I see this crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. You know, my father would heal people. He was considered the miracle man of Africa, built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London. And so from age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches. So my speaking career, you're like, how did you start? Well, my speaking career began when I was age eight. And my father threw me in the audience and said, speak. And that began a whole journey for me of communicating every every month, every few months, you know. And age 14, I was ordained as a minister in my father's church. I was supposed to take over my father's spiritual organization, hundreds of thousands of followers in West Africa. And, you know, you know that feeling when you know when something isn't quite right and my heart sank yeah. and I knew that this was not my path and my entire life was set out for me. Uh, my life was planned for me, all of these expectations. And it took me four years of real soul searching and you know confusion and conflict and frustration and uh, to really come to a point of, of owning my truth. And my truth was, this is not my path. Um, I felt a calling to come to the U.S., uh, all of the, I started reading books from a very young age, self-help books, you know, the Eastern mystics of Krishnamurti and Osho to the Western philosophers, to the Westerns, you know, psychology, pop psychology, self-help teachers of, you know, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra. And I wanted to go into that field. And so I had a vision as a kid in my teens, like I want to go into this field. And so uh, when I was 18, I had to make some decisions uh, growing up in London. I chose not to go to university and I looked into my future. I felt this calling to come to the U.S. and pursue this field and learn from some of these people. Um, 
And my soul was guiding me so strongly, but I looked into my future and the expected path, age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50, and I realized I could be successful by everyone else's standards, by my yeah. father's standards. But if I don't have myself, what kind of success is that? You know, when we betray ourselves, that's not true success, even if you have the world, and that you cannot be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that you're not. You cannot be truly fulfilled and happy mm, living someone else's life. And right. yet sometimes what your soul guides you to do is not always convenient. And my soul was guiding me in a whole different direction. And that's when I had a conversation with my father, tough conversation, said, I'm not taking over. Uh, broke his heart, broke my own heart, but I knew what I had to do. And I think many of us as human beings, we know what we need to do. We know what's true. We know what's right, but we're afraid. And we let the fear stop us. We let the fear hijack us. We feel dreams in our hearts. We feel love in our hearts. We feel a vision in our hearts. We feel a business in our hearts. We feel the books. We feel, we feel like this is why I'm here, but we often don't express that fully out of fear. And so... I had the conversation. I was terrified. My father and I, we didn't speak for two years. Wow. Uh, it was really hard, really heartbreaking. And some, you know, sometimes we think that when you follow your expected path and your, your purpose, like, it's easy. But, you know, that's when often challenges begin. And so I had the conversation with my father, cut a long story short, won a green card in the lottery that enabled me to literally, that enabled me to come to the US, two suitcases, knew no one in the country, um, $800 showed up and found many of the teachers and the mentors and learned from them and studied with them and, and then went on my own quest as a young man in my 20s, you know, uh, I really decided that I wanted to know truth for myself not just from a book. I wanted to know God, truth, the nature of life, the nature of happiness. I wanted to know it in my being. And so I basically sold everything and started traveling, broke up with my girlfriend, you know, had a radio show at the time, broke up with my girlfriend, sold everything, <laughs> you know, went on a, a, a midlife crisis in my early 20s <laughs> and started traveling the world. And I walked the Camino, went to India, studied with saints, mystics, went to Israel, studied with rabbis, went to Thailand, studied with monks, just started traveling the world in search of, I would say, answers, but in search of myself. And then mm -hmm. when I was in India, I had kind of certain experiences that, I just felt so peaceful and so free that it was from then I decided I wanted to come back to the U.S. and help people. You know, I wanted everyone to experience the kind of freedom that I felt, a freedom that wasn't based on what I achieved or money or a car or a business or a bank account. It was just I felt so free. I had nothing but I felt so free. And it was really from that place that I began working with one person, one-on-one, -on -one. and one person transformed, another person transformed, another person, and people started coming from literally all around the world, one-on-one. -on -one. And then that just organically, you know, the desire to serve organically, it just grew and to small groups and larger groups and online and bigger groups and books, and it just expanded from there. So that's a little bit of my journey. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So first of all, thank you for sharing this uh, amazing story with us and also our, our audience. And I have one question because I've heard your story on Tom Bilius' uh, episode. Uh -huh. cool. Yeah, and there, uh, there was one thing that struck me uh, from your childhood. It was um, like really late after the church was closing, you were just going there and just 
like speaking for one yeah. to three hours by yourself and portraying yourself that you are giving a speech to an audience. Obviously, it was an invisible audience, but why were you doing those things and like did you know that you had a calling towards that or was just the thing that you wanted to to follow your father's steps yeah you know i started actually speaking for real when i was eight. but yeah there's a couple of things to be honest you know i felt this deep impulse that this was my calling i felt it like i want to speak in front of people and inspire people and this was like It's a gift I had, you know, and and so we lived behind my father's church, literally yeah. attached to my father's church. There was an apartment. The apartment, I mean, was literally the size of a toilet. The, 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 sorry, the bedroom in the apartment that I was in was the size of a toilet. So you could put like one bed and, and there was no room to even walk. And <laughs> wow. so I remember because we didn't have a lot of a lot of money, you know, and I remember being in my apartment and I'd read all these self-help books at night and, you know, they tell you to dream big and visualize. And so I had all, I was a kid and I had all of these dreams, big dreams, but my reality was like so limited, you know, no money, no connections, no family support. And here I am in this tiny shoebox bedroom with these dreams And so one of the ways I decided that I was going to expand and manifest mm. was I would sneak into my father's church mm. with the lights off. It was literally open the door. There it was. And in the darkness, I would visualize because as a young boy, I heard about the power of visualization. And I would literally three, four hours a night on the weekends, you know, half the day. I would give seminars to the empty chairs and visualize myself in hotel rooms, visualize people getting turned on and transforming and crying, visualize people from all walks of life around the world, you know, really transforming themselves. And this was my, I don't want to say my escape from my reality, mm -hmm. but it was kind of a way to, to live my reality right now, the best to the best of my capacity. And, and so Uh, I felt and feel the souls of those that would be transformed. I could feel the souls of those that would be transformed. That's why it's very humbling for me now when I'm in front of an audience, you know, five, six hundred people, a thousand people, 200 people. It really doesn't matter. It's very humbling for me. Hey, just a little break right here, guys, before I let you in on the rest of our conversation. If you haven't already, please do consider giving us a five-star rating review on iTunes as well as on Spotify. That will allow us to not only bring more guests to the show, but also expand our reach and uh, yeah, reach more people like yourself and together we'll be able to have a greater impact. And with that said, thank you so much. Back to the podcast. When I'm in front of the audience, because many times when I'm in front of the audience while I'm speaking, I have this flashback to being, you know, wow. age, to age 11, hard. age 12. And I'm like, oh my God, like these are the souls that called me, called me. You know, these are the souls that were waiting. And so for me, it's a real privilege to be able to do that. You know, I, I, I'll tell a story because yeah. when I was um, maybe in my early 20s, I started promoting, I came to the U.S., Mm. And I started promoting seminars for some of these sort of motivational yeah. gurus, right? And uh, after a couple, a year or two of doing that, 
I basically would go into companies and give free talks. And in my free talk, I would sign them up for a seminar to see yeah. Jim Rohn or Les Brown. And, and so eventually people said, the, the managers of these companies would say, you know, we've heard so-and-so before. We, we kind of like you. Can you talk? Can you? So I thought, you know what? I'm going to promote my own seminar and sell myself. So I would go into a company and give a talk. And so, and so one time I said, I'm going to do something for the public. I'm going to put on a seminar, invite everyone in LA. This is before Instagram and Facebook and Google. Yeah. I'm going to invite word of mouth, put flies everywhere. I went around all of LA, put flies around the seminar, you know, something power, blah, blah, blah. And I'm expecting 200 people to show up in this seminar. Like I put flies everywhere, told all my friends, my only suit, got a haircut that night, 7.30 PM. It was in it, near the airport. I think, uh, I forget the name of the hotel, Marriott or something near the airport. I show up, seven o'clock. Oh, no one's here. Wow, okay. Uh, it's half an hour left. And, and half an hour I come back, it's just, just me, no assistance, you know. I see two people in the freaking room. Two people in the room. I'm like, damn. And I look more closely. One of them was my friend and one of them was her friend that she brought. So oh, wow. really it was one person. I mean, I put six weeks of effort to promote this. Two people show up. I'm heartbroken. I walk into the room and I tell my friend, her name was Barbara. Barbara, you know, thanks for coming, but obviously no one's here. So let's reschedule and do this properly. She looked at me and she said, what do you mean no one's here? I came. My friend came. We drove here. We paid for gasoline. We paid for parking. What do you mean no one is here? We're here and we want our transformation. And I went into the bathroom, literally, true story. And I, I said, okay, I'll be back. I cried for about 10 minutes because I felt like such a failure. I felt like such a, you know, everything flopped, you know? And I thought, wow, this is, this is it. And then I you know, dried my tears, pulled up my pants, came back. Next hour and a half, I delivered seminar like I delivered when I was a kid. I mean, I put all of my heart and soul into these two people. I mean, they were transformed. They were inspired. They left happy, gave me a big hug. And I sat in that room. This was a moment, another pivotal moment for me. I sat in that room when everyone left, two people left in the hotel room and cried. And I remembered when I was a kid. And that was a moment where I realized that I had to remember, like, why are you really doing this? Mm. Why are you really doing this? Because in that moment when I was a kid, I just wanted to serve. I just wanted to inspire. I just wanted to touch lives. And I realized that whether it's one person or two people or 200 people or 2,000 people, it doesn't matter. A soul is a soul. And I think when, when we show up purely, with pure intent, with gratitude, talk about gratitude, it's like, I was not grateful. Like, uh, I was very ungrateful, but when we show up with gratitude, like thank you universe for bringing these two people. And when we show up fully to serve those two people with full excellence, then the universe gives us more, then more and more. And so being grateful along the way. So I remember just feeling like, thank you for the opportunity to serve these two souls. And then, you know, over, the, over time, more people came. And so I'll never forget that moment of truly 
being invited to check my own intentions and show up purely. Yeah, That's very empowering to hear. And to go off that, uh, a philosophy that we often share on the podcast and it's a philosophy that I personally live by and Bogdan lives by is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And sure. in, in, in your case, like how you deliver to those two people, it it matters because how you would deliver to those two is how you would deliver to many more others. Yeah. Therefore, if you put your soul and heart into uh, that experience and really touch their their uh, existence, that means that with the next occasion where the universe is going to be like, okay, this guy has learned his lesson. Let's just yes. give him what he wants now. You'd be able to to do uh, uh, the same thing. What I wanted to to uh, go off from here is a quote that I actually heard today and uh, really stood out to me. And that is, we as a society do not think. We aren't taught how, but we are purposely taught what to think. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, we're taught what to think, right? We are conditioned, bottom line by the media, by the matrix of life, you know, by, you by the matrix being, you know, your parents, matrix being media, matrix being the educational system, matrix being advertising, matrix being entertainment, television. It's all constantly conditioning us to believe a certain way, to think a certain way, to believe ourselves to be a certain way, because that's also how we can be controlled. And so we're not really taught how to think, but not just how to think. We're not taught who we really are. We're not taught who we really are. The matrix in society, based on ignorance and maybe certain agendas, is constantly telling us who we're not and who we are and who we should be. And if, you know, this is what beauty is. This is what success is. This is what life is. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this magazine. Look at this front cover. And we're constantly being hypnotized and seduced to believe something. Because if we disconnected from who we are, if we think we're just this body and this hair and this name and this race and this skin color and this religion, then we can be controlled. And so we're constantly being bombarded with the message of, hey, this is who you are, this is who you are, this is who you are, and who you are is not enough. But if you just wear this underwear, if you just get this watch, if you just have this iPhone and not that other phone, then you're gonna finally be enough and it's gonna cost you $200, $2,000, $200,000. You know? So we're constantly being bombarded and conditioned and brainwashed in this matrix. And so we have to, I think as human beings, have the courage to wake up. The process mm-hmm. of conditioning, let me break it down a bit starts from a very young age. I believe that who we are ultimately is whole, perfect, and complete. We are infinite beings. We are pure consciousness, pure beingness, infinite beings, no name, no form, beyond birth, beyond death. See, the thing is, when you and I, when we know that we are infinite, a spark of infinite manifested in this package, and you know that this finite thing is not just who you are. It's just a costume that you're wearing in this moment of time. Fear starts dropping away. Mm -hmm. Fear starts dropping away because you know who you are. That is real power. But when we're conditioned to believe, now you're just this body, you're just this body, you're just this body, ah, shit, I'm going to die, oh my God. Then it's easy to be controlled and manipulated with fear. So first I just want to start with what we are is infinite, pure consciousness, pure being, we're essence. So here's the process of conditioning. You look at a child. 
when a child is born from wherever dimension we come, right? You look into a child's eyes, it's like pure essence, pure love, pure energy. You see the spark of God right there looking through you. That's why we're reminded of that when we look into a child's eyes, we're softened. A child is unconditioned. They don't know right and wrong. A child would hug Mother Teresa. A child would hug Pablo Escobar. We're not taught. A child is going to hug a black person, a Native American person, a Russian person, a Chinese person. It doesn't care. It's just like innocence. It, it, we're not taught what to believe about certain things. So we're taught these things by our parents, and they were taught these things by their parents and their parents, and they're uncon. So we've been conditioned, and that conditioning continues. We have to break the cycle. So a child is born into a preset framework, a preset framework based on ancestors, based on grandparents and, and, and all the beliefs that have been held already. On top of that, we meet our parents and our parents are just doing the best that they can do. Yeah. It's not their fault, yeah. you know, it's not their fault. They're not like, oh, I'm gonna screw my kid up. No, they're just doing the best that they can do based on what they were told and what they were told to think. And so maybe our parents, maybe we were born into a framework of dysfunction, maybe abuse, maybe dad just didn't know how to be emotionally available. Maybe mom was crazy or dad was an alcoholic or you know a drug addict. Or maybe they was divorced. Maybe, maybe they were nice people, but they just didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And so two things happen where the conditioning begins. The first thing is unconsciously as children, we begin to shut down, disconnect, not feel as a way to cope with the pain of what's happening. You know, parents are fighting too painful. Oh my God. So we like shut down, disconnect, not feel close off a part of ourselves. We start erecting all sorts of walls and, and, and survival mechanisms to not feel the pain of this craziness that is happening. But we disconnect and shut off a part of ourselves and the walls build up. And that pure light, that pure infinite essence is sort of covered up in mountains and layers of condition. The second thing is we learn to go into the world, the sense of who do I need to be? Talk about to what? Who do I need to be in order to get love and validation and approval from my parents? Oh, oh, my dad says be this way. Okay, boys don't cry. Boys act this way. Girls act this way. You know, we act that way. We don't do that. We do this. This is how we behave in this family. You know, the what we're told what to believe again in order to conform, to fit in. And so we start learning, oh, if I do that, Daddy loves me. Yeah. If I do that, mommy loves me. And so we start to contort ourselves into a kind of shape in order to like get to avoid pain and get love, validation, and approval. And that's how we learn to get love, validation, approval. We start developing a role, a mask, a persona that becomes an identity that we hold onto very tightly as a way of being. And the challenge is we think. The version of, you know, by 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, we think the version of ourselves that we have become is who we really are. And it's not. And the challenge is we live inside of this conditioned construct based on what we've been taught and also our survival mechanisms that we have lived to protect ourselves. We live inside of this construct as a way of being and we hold on to this very tightly as an identity, and we go through life that way, create life that way, and life becomes very limiting, and we don't even know. And so I think what we have to ask ourselves is, is who you are who you really are? 
is what you believe, what you really believe, or just what you've been told to believe, is what you want and the goals that you have, what you really want, or just what you've been conditioned to want. And we don't question these things because to question these things is to question our sense of self, to question our sense of identity, and and which we're holding on to very tightly. And the ego's role is to reinforce its existence. So we don't question. We just keep going, doing what we're told, living what we've been told to live and wondering, why am I not really happy? You know. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we are not free. And we've all been conditioned. And so I think part of life and the process of life and waking up is to question ourselves, question what we've been taught, question what we believe, question who am I really? The degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. We're really just a slave to our past and living that out and the programming continues. And so I think it takes a lot of courage to wake up and wake up out of the matrix, wake up out of conditioning to be who you really are. And I think that's why you see so few people do that, you know, but I think in the last couple of years, especially with this pandemic and da, 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 whatever's going on, I think in the last few years, it's shaken and forced so many of us in certain ways to like question, like, wait a, wait a second, who am I? And what the hell do I want? And maybe I don't want what I've been living and what is going on in the world and, you know, what is, what is my purpose? And so I think it's a beautiful thing and we're in a, I think a global process of awakening. We are in a phase transition right now, moving from ego to something deeper, a more aligned way of living, where we're questioning what we've been taught to believe. And so that's my answer. Yeah, that's (laughs) extremely beautifully said. And the thing is, I completely agree with what you have just said. All these things, I mean, most of them, more than 99% of them are happening unconsciously. So you don't even have to think about them because they are happening, like you said, because our ancestors did this and that, and they made like certain like images and portray themselves doing this and that. And also like your role in society, it's already predefined. And I just feel like there are so many barriers you like you said, I mean, you are born and then you have to get over the big wall mm-hmm. of college. Then you have to get a loan. Then you have to get another mortgage for your house. And then you have to borrow some money for your marriage. For and your you, get in, you get a loan for the college, which is $100,000. Yeah. Then you yeah. work the rest of your life as a slave that you, know, you, know, right. you, just, you get enslaved in a system, right? And you don't even ask yourself, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? Am I really happy with this? So, uh, yeah, completely agree with what you have just said. But just to get a little bit more personal, I just wanted to ask you, what experience are you the most grateful for so far in your life? Most grateful for? Man, I'm grateful for so many experiences, man. I'm grateful for the heartbreak I've been through in love. You know, that shattered my heart. I'm grateful for that, you know. Um, but let me pick one, okay, that, that, that it connects to my book, you know, The Magic of Surrender, but it really is something I'm grateful for. Um, my mother in 2016, end of 2016, was diagnosed with um, stomach cancer. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I was on a high with my first book, You Are the One, and Traveling the World. I was just on Larry King. I was, like, so excited. And I get a phone call from my dad 
this is how life is, you know, life just knows how to chop you. <laughs> and I get a phone call from my dad and he says, your mother has cancer, you need to call her. And I never got a phone call from my dad, so I knew it was it was serious, right? And, and so I called my mom, she confirmed, but she said, don't worry, you know, it's going to be fine. So I started to travel back and forth um, from Los Angeles to London, literally every month for a week to be with her in chemo, to be with her, um, to, to help her recover, to help her heal, to help her, you know, beat this thing. And I soon realized maybe a few months into it that she's not going to make it. You know, I soon realized that I don't think she's going to, to, to she's not going to, overcome this thing, you know? And that was very humbling and that forced me to surrender. Yeah. It was in that acceptance, it was in that acceptance that, I'm not gonna say I gave up hope, but I moved into surrender and I realized she probably is going to die. And it was in that uh, realization and surrender that every moment became precious, every moment became sacred because I wasn't like, ah, she's going to live. No, we're going to, it was like, this could be the last text I ever get from my mom. This could be the last time I watched my mother make, wash the dishes. This could be the last time I see my mom, you know, uh, make a cup of tea for me. Like every moment was like it. And we would sit in chemo, chemo for eight hours, right? You know, talking about nothing, really, nothing special, nothing mystical, just just hanging out, talking about life. And I sat there and I thought, shit, why did I wait till she was dying to spend time with my mom? I was so busy running around the world, traveling, living my best life, you know, saving, serving people, speaking, you know. And I was too busy just to sit with my mom and have a cup of tea and come back for holiday. I was too busy to sit and just do nothing with her. In that moment, I realized the beauty of just being with her, you know? And, and so I had tremendous regret, but I remember coming to a point where what started out as my worst year yeah. started that turned into my best year because it gave me this gift of just being present with my mom. And I realized in so many ways, maybe we can, you can relate. We're not present, you know, we're so busy trying to get somewhere that we think, and, and this is really what mattered, you know? And, and I remember looking at my mother and say, saying, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for cancer. I'm sad. It took me this moment, but I'm grateful because it's given me this deeper connection to just be with you, you know? And, and so there was a lot of gratitude for that year. It was a magical year because I just got to sit with her and be with her, you know, have conversations with her that I never had. When the doctors said, we can't do surgery on your stomach. Basically, they, in a nice way, they say you're going to die. And so get your affairs in order. And we don't know if it's going to be... Uh, it's not going to be years, maybe months, maybe weeks. So, you know, get ready. And when two things happened, when, when that happened, I remember looking at my mother and saying, are you afraid? Like these were the conversations we'd had. I said, are you afraid? And she said, no, I'm not afraid. 
because I know I'm not just this body. I know that this body will die, but I will be with you. So don't worry, I'll be guiding you from the other side. And I have felt my mother's guidance, you know, from the other side, energy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it's been beautiful. And, and in a strange way, I felt closer to her because now my connection has not been limited by the physical form. It's the pure connection. Then I asked my mother, is there anything that I can do for you in your final days? And she said, no. I said, I wanted to be a good son. And she said, no, the only thing I want is what God wants for my life. That's it. And I realized the, the power and this level of surrender that she was. She wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was in complete peace. And I thought, damn, I didn't realize my mom was a freaking body zapfa, you know? I didn't realize my mom was like this enlightened being. I mi- like I missed it. But in this moment, I realized who she was. And so there was a deep gratitude that I felt to have had that moment. And one of the most beautiful moments for me of my life was after that, I realized she's going any moment. I had the opportunity to sit with her in the living room and look my mother in the eyes you know, and say, mom, like soul to soul, I looked my mother in the eyes and I, and I was able to say to her, like, what, mom, what a privilege it has been to be your son in this lifetime. We'll meet again in a different form, but in this lifetime, like what a privilege it is to know your soul and be your son. And I, it, it just, for me, the tears, you know, that I haven't cried with my mom since I was five, right? But the tears of just, Soul to soul, the gratitude to just like thank you for this, like our souls get to intersect in this moment. And we miss how sacred it is, you know, but but it's like, wow. And so that was a moment I was, that was an experience and a moment I was really grateful for. And I would just wrap by saying, you know, as you're listening, folks, realize you don't have forever with your parents. You don't have, we think we have forever. I had all these plans of things I wanted to do with my mom and, you know, places and travel and we don't have forever. And so reach out to your parents, you know, reach out to them, reach out to those you love, let them know how much you love them. It sounds obvious, but it's often only when death happens that then we wake up. And so don't wait for death to happen. Reach out. If there's a grudge you're holding, trust me, it's not worth it. You know, if there's something you haven't forgiven, trust me, it's not worth it. If there's something you need to get over it, get over it because life is short. Because the only thing I would want, if I could turn the clock back, if people say, well, what's one wish? It would be just to spend another 15 minutes, another moment with my mom to sit and watch her washing the dishes. You know, just that simple. And so, yeah, every moment is precious. So it taught me that. So I'm grateful. There you have it, guys. I had goosebumps <laughs> throughout the story. <laughs> and the thing is, like, as you were saying it, I, I can fully relate. And I'm more than certain that everyone listening can relate to this. And it's it's almost like each one of us has this, I guess, curse that it's only in the absence of something or someone that you truly get to understand and realize how much you actually appreciate them or that, unfortunately. But where I want to go off uh, from the story, and it's very hard for me to even put <laughs> into words after you shared everything with us, is how can someone get somewhat close, because 
they will never be able to get this close to the realization of surrendering without have without having to go through what you went through, without having to regret the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months that they would have with that person. How do how does someone get to realize and feel the art of surrendering? So so first I would say let, let's just I don't want to say define, but mm. so everyone is clear. Like let, yeah. let's 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 define surrender a little bit in, in the context, because I think in our culture, when we hear surrender, we're like, shit, hell no, I don't want to surrender. It's like going to the dentist. It's just this negative connotation. Also, when we see surrender, we see a monk in the Himalayas with a begging bowl, you know, no family, no money, no nothing. It's like, who the hell wants to do that? You know, so so the connotation of surrender is not necessarily enticing or exciting. And, and so there's a myth in our culture that surrender is weak. There's a myth in our culture that surrender is passive. There's a myth in our culture that if you surrender, you're going to be a victim. You're going to be a doormat. You're going to be left behind. You won't manifest your goals, your dreams, your desires. You're going to get less. And I'm actually saying that surrender is the most powerful thing that you can do. I'm actually saying that surrender is the key to greatness, as my mother showed me. Surrender is the key to the great ones. You look at Jesus, you look at Buddha, you look at Mother Teresa, you look at Gandhi, you look at Bruce Lee, you look at Muhammad Ali, you look at Elon Musk, you look at, you know, uh, Martin Luther King. They all had to surrender in their own way. You might think Elon Musk had to surrender. Yeah, he had to surrender when he took all of his PayPal money and invested it based on his guidance. That's a form of surrender, you know? And so true greatness requires a level of surrender in a profound way. And the next level of your life requires surrender. And so what I'm actually saying is surrender is powerful. Surrender is the password to freedom that if you surrender, what if you didn't get less? But what if you got more than you could imagine? What if you got more, more than you could imagine with your own ego's little mind of, ah, this is what I want for my life and myself. What if you got more? Because when you surrender, it's about letting go of control, or at least, you know, control is the master addiction. So letting go of the idea that we're in control, really, you know. If you've been enjoying this uh, episode so far, if you've been enjoying uh, other episodes in the podcast overall, and you haven't already given us a five-star rating review, please do consider doing so. Now you can do that on Spotify as well as iTunes. And yeah, it will uh, really mean a lot for us. It would help us grow the podcast and bring more guests to the show. And yeah, that's about it. I'll let you guys back to the podcast. And, and, and <laughs> so it's letting go of that. It's letting go of trying to force life because as human beings we're constantly trying to force the flow force things, yep. force relationships to be that aren't. And just because you force something doesn't mean it's so, you know, it's not going to bring you true peace and true fulfillment and true happiness. So, uh, surrender is letting go of trying to force things to fit and force things to be something that it's not. Uh, surrender is when you stop trying to manipulate life and you get and you let go of the idea of who you think you should be, the idea of how you think life should be, and you let yourself be open, open to the deepest expression of what life is seeking to express through you. So surrender 
is an openness. Surrender is an availability. Surrender is a willingness. Surrender is a curiosity. And when you truly open yourself and surrender, what I found is that's when you move into a different dimension and you're open to the infinite possibilities of life. And that's when life can flow through you and express through you and move through you and love through you. And I found that what what life can manifest through you is more than whatever you can manifest on your own. And if you look at the great ones, Gandhi and Mother Teresa, and like what they were, what they were able to achieve was not just on their own, you know, strat- strategic, mental, ego capacity. That was grace that flowed through them. That's when miracles happen through them. To me, that's the magic. And we all want the magic, but we don't want to surrender. But that's why the book is the magic of surrender. It's the, it's the equation. If you want magic, you've got to surrender. It's not one way without the other. It's not the other way around. You can't say, well, when I get the magic, then I'm going to surrender. The degree to which you want the magic is the degree to which you must surrender, and surrender is the key. And so it's a letting go. And what I also want to phrase and frame for people, because we often think, ah, oh, surrender is so hard. It's so difficult. You know, it's so it's so tough to surrender. It's, and I just want people to understand Like, what if you held surrender as something easy? Like, surrender is easy. Let's just hold that together. Not not that it's so hard. We've been conditioned to think it's hard because what we talked about earlier, our identity, our our conditioning, this version of ourselves, we become. So imagine, for those listening on audio, I have my fist is tied with a pen. And this is, so imagine this is the symbolic version of who we become, right? And we become this version of ourselves and we hold on, we hold on, we control, we hold on, we push, we force, the ego, ego holding. Eventually this holding on way of living feels natural because it's what we've been conditioned to do and what we've learned to do. But it's exhausting, but it starts to feel natural because that's what we know. All I'm saying is surrender is effortless. It's actually the way of things. How how hard is it to just surrender? You know, it, it's it's actually easier, but we've just been conditioned. And surrender is hardwired into your body. Look at this. Universe is reminding us of surrender as the way of nature. Every breath, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. This is like life just reminding us, surrender, surrender, surrender. It's just the way of existence. And so it's easy, it's effortless, it's natural, it's the way of things, it's the flow. And so it just seems hard. And so I think a couple of places where people can start. Number one, I don't know if I talked about this on on the interview that I was on, but, but one place I think people can start in terms of surrender, and one of the things that blocks surrender in terms of resistance is all the ways that we lie to ourselves as human beings. As human beings, one of the ways that we're constantly resisting, 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 is we're constantly lying to ourselves about who we are, about what we want, about what's real, about what we feel. The lies that we tell ourselves are part of what blocks our ability to surrender. We'll, we rationalize these lies. We stay in relationships that we know is not aligned. We work jobs that we know maybe is compromising our essence or integrity, and we know that this is not the reason for why we were put on the planet, but we stay in it out of safety and out of comfort. And so the first question I would ask people is, what lies am I telling myself? Let's just start there. 
You don't have to go into like, I'm going to surrender. Just start with what lies am I telling myself? Let's begin there. Because if you really begin there, your life will start transforming in a massive and beautiful and profound way. What lies am I telling myself? And be willing to be honest. Truth is real spirituality. Truth is real meditation. Truth is real prayer. Truth is real yoga. Truth will set you free. What lies am I telling myself? Be honest. We must want the truth more than we want what we want. And many times we just want what we want more than the truth. And people come to me and say, could I want to be free. I want you to help me transform. I want this. I want freedom. But I don't want to let this go. It doesn't work, it doesn't work that way. You know, the next level of your life will require the next level of you. The next level of you is going to require that you let go of what's no longer aligned. Those relationships, those paradigms, that addiction, that way of communicating, that way of being, that identity, that way that you see yourself, that story, that that person, that fill in the blank. But what we tend to do as human beings is we hold on out of comfort, out of familiarity, out of self-preservation. And the holding on to what's not aligned is what keeps us stuck, is what blocks our blessing, is what prevents our surrender. And, and, and that, that stuckness then just manifests in our life. And so start with what lies am I telling myself? Be really, start by being honest. One thing I would say that might help people is take the pressure off of yourself from even having to take action. Mm. Because sometimes the fear of taking action stops us from being honest. Cause we know, oh shit, if I really get honest, I'm going to have to break up. I'm going to have to leave my job. And I don't want to do that. So let me, let me like not be honest. Make stories up. Yeah. Let me make stories up. So take the pressure off of having to take action and just start by being honest. I am no longer in love in my relationship. I know this is no longer aligned. Be with that. Don't done. You don't have to divorce. You don't have to break up. Just feel the truth of what you're saying and let that resonate. Number two, Okay, I hate my job. I hate my job. I'm not going to pretend I like my job or be grateful for my job. I'm, I hate my job. Feel that. Trust me, that begins a process inside. Second question, what am I pretending to not know? In many ways, we play this game of confusion, of pretend, of like, I don't really know what my purpose is. I don't really know what to do. I don't really know if this, when deep down, we know. But the ego plays this game of confusion because if, if I don't really know what my purpose is when we know, then we don't actually have to take action, you know, that we don't have to do something. We don't have to take the risk and go for it. We can always stay back in the comfort zone of safety with this future fantasy of hope of what could be when I'm ready and we don't have to put ourselves on the line. Surrender is responsibility. Surrender is not the abdication of responsibility. It's the willingness to own your truth and go into action and surrender to what's true. It's responsibility, not the abdication of responsibility. And so the third question is, what are the lies costing me? What is it costing me? Because there is a cost and a pain for the lies and betraying oneself and betraying one's truth. When we lie to ourselves, it's meant to be painful. When we lie to ourselves, it's not meant to feel good. If you eat shit, it's gonna, you're going to get sick. When you lie to yourself, you're going to feel pain. It's, the na- it's natural. So I tell people that pain is a gift. Pain 
is your friend. Pain is feedback telling you where you're not aligned. The challenge is as human beings, what we tend to do is push it away. We numb tend it. to numb it, avoid it, sex it away, drink it away, smoke it away, drug it away, you know, uh, plant medicine it away, uh, social media it away, read it, whatever it is, busy it so that we don't have to like feel, feel the pain. But the pain is tr- just showing us where we need to course correct. So feel the pain, acknowledge the pain, use that as a way to bring yourself back. So start with the truth. Then I, I also believe people can start asking themselves the question. I think in personal growth, we've been conditioned to ask, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Get clarity on what I want. But we never really ask, who is this I that's wanting? And many times what we think we want is just what we think we want, not necessarily what we really want. It's just what we think we want based on who we think we are. And so you might achieve what you thought you wanted only to realize that it's not what you really wanted. Or your goals and your dreams sometimes are projections of unmet needs from childhood, unmet needs from the past. You know, like I wasn't loved, that wasn't there, wasn't lovable, not enough. But, but if I can have that Lamborghini, if I can have enough Instagram followers, if I can make a zillion dollars, then I'm going to be worthy and valuable and enough. And we achieve that only to realize it's not for it's not what I really want. Yeah. And so the question shifts. The question has to shift from the old to me that the old paradigm is an ego-based way of living life. What do I want? The new paradigm of surrender is when we just even begin to ask ourselves the question, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is that life seeking to manifest through me? What is that life is seeking to create through me? What is that life is seeking to podcast through me, speak through me, write through me? And and, and the deepest impulse of that, to feel the deepest impulse of that and allow yourself to kind of attune to that, listen to that, feel that deepest impulse. Then you can align yourself with the deepest truth of your being, not your ego's truth. When you feel that deepest truth, and you don't always have to know where that's going to go. But when you feel like, yeah, this feels right. This feels true. This feels authentic. Yeah. And you go in that direction. Then you can align your actions. You can align your actions, your thinking, your thoughts, your feelings, your resources, your money, your strategy, your plan with the alignment of your soul. What your soul guides you to do won't always make sense to your mind. But if you follow your soul without compromise, I have found you will always end up in the right place. It may not always take you on the route that you most expected. So one of the things in surrender that we get to give up is the constant, constant need to know. We have a constant need to know everything about every, we've got to know this, got to know that. But the mechanism that projects into life to interpret reality is the ego. And the ego is conditioned from the past. And so often what we, when we think something is something, we don't realize that we're looking through a limited lens and we're limiting life. And so when we give up this need to know, like, I don't know. I don't know what this, like give up the need to even make meaning about something because the meaning-making machine in our minds is conditioned. So it's like, I don't know what this means. Why is this happening? I don't know. Why did this not happen? I don't know. But let's find out. That's why being cultivating curiosity is like, wow, this didn't happen. Rather than go collapsing or saying, I'm wrong, life doesn't love me, this yeah. is that. It's like, 
I don't know. Maybe the universe is working for my highest good and I can't see why right now, but let me be curious as to what is seeking to unfold. So cultivating curiosity is key. Then in surrender, you can allow life to lead you. That's the difference. In the old paradigm, you're pushing life. I mean, it's a joke. Life has been around for billions and billions and billions and billions, like in eternity, and we're pushing life, pushing and projecting from our limited ego, our intention on life versus feeling the deepest impulse and allowing life, this intelligence that is living you, breathing me, living all of existence, that is beating your heart, trillions of functioning, trillions and trillions of cells in your body, in my body, and eight billion people in all dimensions of existence. This intelligence is what we are to allow that to lead us. That's the invitation of surrender. And so you feel, where is life nudging me? Where is, where is the flow of life moving and moving in that direction? And that's what surrender is. That was beautiful. Yeah, you heard good guys. I mean, just learn to surrender, learn to accept your circumstances and just learn to be open-minded to go with your gut feeling, right? So as much as we love this conversation it has to have an end. And uh, I'm, before we let you go, I'm just going to ask you the last question uh, of the show. So if you need some time to think about your answer, just uh, take your time. And uh, it goes like this. Imagine that you are on your deathbed. So you are about to die. But right before that, uh, there comes this person and it's the best version of yourself and it's looking at yourself. You see and comprehend what you could have become. So how would you feel about yourself and about your life in that specific moment? How would I feel about myself? And about the life that you have lived. For me, I feel a sense of peace, you know, because... I think all we can do in life is do our best. And for me, I endeavor to live my life with no regrets. That's it, to live with no regrets, you know, because we're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. And one of the things I do is I really endeavor to live life embracing death each moment. You're gonna die. I'm going to die, you're going to die, Buddha died, Bruce Lee died. I mean, if these folks died, you're going to die, I'm going to die. And so for me, what I really have endeavored to do is, is to feel my death each moment. Not as some negative thing, but feel mm. like this reality. It's like, I'm going to die. So I'm not waiting for that last moment on my deathbed. Every moment is my deathbed. But also with every death is a birth. So every moment is my birth. Every moment is birthing new possibility into existence. You know, I think it was Rumi said, die before you die. And so I feel my death because death for me brings me into a reality of this moment, the preciousness of this moment, the urgency of this moment. Like truly the, all we have is now. We don't have tomorrow. None of us know how long we're going to live. And so I just like to feel my death each moment and use that as a, I don't want to say at all as a reality check to to live each moment authentically, to to live each moment fully. And so, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I endeavor to live my life in a way where if death came today, 
I would have no regrets. Memento Mori. Yeah, and I would invite everyone to sip with, you know, folks, there's someone you need to love, pick up the phone. If there's someone you need to call or go see, go to it. Life is short. You never know when that moment's going to come, ultimately, and how would you need to live so that you have no regrets? Because you can't go to your maker and say, can I get a refund on those two years? Can I get a refund on those five years in that job I hated in that relationship that, you know, it's gone. This moment, your life, love now. That's it, love now. Absolutely amazing. Cute. Before we let you go, I want you to share all the resources you have with your audience, where they can continue the conversation with yourself. I know you have an event coming up. Yeah. Let thanks. us know. Yeah, the, the my my paperback of Magic of Surrender is coming on May the 3rd. So everyone go to Amazon, get the paperback. We go deep into, into this type of conversation. Uh, for everyone that gets the paperback version, I'm doing a very special event. It will be free to you. Once you get the paperback, I think the paperback is like $16, $15 thereabouts. Um, I'm doing a special event, May the 7th. It's called Reinvent Live. I want to see you both there too, okay? <laughs> Reinvent Live, uh, May the 7th, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, I'm going to teach you how to reinvent yourself, how to let go of the past, how to connect to your deepest truth, all the things we've been showing today, and ultimately how to, how to love more and catapult yourself forward to living your gifts and sharing your gifts with the world with no regrets. And so it's going to be a really powerful uh, two to three hour intensive virtual seminar. Do it from wherever you want. Oh, brilliant. Once you, so, so basically, yeah, once you buy the book, uh, you can go to this website. W, you can find out all the info also. www.kootblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar. K-U-T-E-B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N.com forward slash reinvent seminar. All the information's there. Once you get the book from Amazon, just you just need to enter your, your receipt info into that website that gives you access to a bunch of free gifts and also the seminar on May the 7th. Uh, my website, connect with me, Coop Blackson. Uh, Instagram, say hi. Facebook, say hi. If uh, folks want to go on a deep dive uh, twice a year, uh, starting just July also, <clears throat> I do a intensive seminar in Bali, it's 12 days. Uh, www.boundlessblissbali.com Brilliant, love it. All the links are going to be in the description. I'm going to get a book. I'm more than certain that both of them will get it as well. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to see you again if it's if it's virtual. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'll, I'll be able to make it. But with that said, it's been an absolute pleasure, Thank good. You. Thank you, I guys. hope that the audience has uh, got the least 1%, 10% of uh, the wisdom that you shared with us today. With that said, this was Pasco. This was Bogdan. And until next time, you guys stay grateful. Thank you so much for sticking all the way till the end. This shows that you are serious about taking your life to the next level and doing that through a perspective of gratitude. If you enjoyed this interview, it would help us massively if you could give us a 5-star rating review on iTunes or else share this on your stories and tag us. This way, with your help, our message will be seen by more people and together we will make this world a better place.